0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep, and more. A friend of mine once said that boys are like Labradors: they need a lot of running, food, and water. No one is trying to say that boys are like dogs here. But it's fair to say that sometimes it helps to understand how their brains are wired, particularly when you're a mum and your brain is wired a bit differently to theirs. Maggie Dent is a parenting educator and champion of boys with four sons. She's got lived experience as well as a whole lot of research behind her. Hi, Maggie. How are you? How are you, Siobhan? Are boys' brains wired differently to girls?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and the latest research, again, remember this is not every single boy and not every single girl, but statistically significant around 75%. So the further we go on, the more we're able to do the explorations of the brain without taking it out of the head. (laughs) And so one of the challenges that we we find is that we are female and ours does definitely function quite differently to others. And one of the things they've found, and this is really coming out of um, quite a bit of research by Dr. Alan Shaw, and he said what they've found is that um, when we first conceived we're a fetus, we are female. So somewhere in that first 12 weeks, when we're all exhausted and tired and vomiting in the toilet, um, if it's going to be a boy, it gets flooded with testosterone. So what that does is not only start the wiring in a different direction, it actually slows the brain development down. So a girl fetus is just rocking on. And this one's going, whoa. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) That's a great (laughs) example. And then when they're born, they're not as sharp. And then the other thing around that is that um, there's an incredible fragility in, in in boys in the early years that we need to really recognise um, and they, that sometimes that they don't actually bond socially as easily as girls because of that delay. So they've done research that shows if you pick a baby boy up out of a cot, um, he's more than likely to look past his mother's face at the mobile. But if you pick a baby girl up, she'll lock onto the face. Now that means she's guaranteed of much quicker and healthier attachment than our boys and it's one of those key issues we're starting to unravel because when they launch off your lap it's really hard to catch them and you think oh that's what boys do it's fine they almost need a lot more of it to be able to pick up to what girls have naturally got so and that attachment comes through the stronger the relationship the more safe and more loved any child feels the more likely they're going to be able to respond in nice ways okay so next thing about communication And Part of that brain slowing down means that the um, kind of verbal center of the brain um, and the emotional limbic brain is actually just way more superior earlier on. So girls can start to interpret a big understanding around big feelings before our little boys. And I have watched one of my grandies. Oh my gosh, she's, she's amazing. I just watched it. She was standing at the edge of the kitchen. I'm thinking, what's she up to? And I could... I'm a girl. I can read that. And I'm looking, going, she's working out how she's going to get what she wants, right? And so mum was over on the other side of the kitchen. Dad was in the lounge. So she's just suddenly started crawling, gently moving in a different way with her body to her daddy. And has leaned over, almost like flirting, saying, Daddy, I have a bicky. Now, she is already, can you see what she's done? She's looked at the outcome she wants. She's looked at the best approach. She's worked out which words we'll use. She's, no boy's capable of that. And so our biggest frustration as mummies is we use too many words. Yeah, and also when we are upset, this is fascinating. This makes so much sense in terms of what happens in my classrooms when I was teaching as well. So when a girl or a female gets upset, our limbic brain fires up, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. It Gets really red, and then the next centre that fires up is the word centre.
0: Oh. So how quickly
1: do we vent out when we're upset, and later on go whoa, just overreacted? Um, our little boys, it's the and men, it's the uh, limbic brain, and then the body, right? fires up. So if we're there trying to interrogate a boy because of a poor choice, he isn't able to respond yet because he actually that part of his brain is still offline. And if we just get that pausing in that moment, recognising, oh, I'm just going to have to wait a little bit of time. And eventually it comes back into the word centre for little boys it can take 24 hours. So sometimes our boys' behaviour is actually their language. And if we can stop putting that thing over the top of our boys that say they're inevitable that they're bad and naughty and they make and stupid, that their inevitability is that they do make poor choices very early because they've got wired by a bit more testosterone. They want to be active. They're trying to have fun, which is exactly what a Labrador is doing, and that they may need more help to manage stress. And that's another one that's coming up from Dr. Alan Shorwick They get affected by stress more, um, whether it's... Um, a sense of disconnect with their parents, um, or they just feel no one's included them. They're always hangry. They get hungrier quicker, and they get moody quicker. and They're often thirsty, and they don't identify thirst, so they can actually get crabby about that. So the flooding of the cortisol creates behaviour choices that are driven by pain.
0: And yet we see it so much as though they intended it. Does it mean that parents <clears throat> can underestimate their boys, both in how they feel about certain situations, yeah. if they're not showing they're upset, we underestimate how yeah. much they're, they yeah. are upset. Absolutely. We often
1: can think that if they're not doing explosive things and hitting and pushing and shoving, which I want to come back to in a moment, then they're fine. In actual fact, a lot of boys just build up this incredible intention I- energy inside them that they just want to hide from everything because it just feels ghastly and they have no idea what's going on. So that whole point again around why do they do vigorous play – because vigorous play discharges that big, ugly feeling and, and sense that's in their body through movement, not words. And that's a really big one. So often I, you know, I get a little bit cross when I hear people say, I want to answer just talk more. Well, in actual fact, my experience around men who've experienced trauma as boys, talking about it really makes them even more upset. So our boys actually feel equally as deeply as our girls. But their capacity to understand it, to articulate it and to work out what to do with it in terms of relationships is is just, yeah, a lot more challenging for them.
0: And they can be really sensitive, can't oh. they? I mean, they can recognize, I mean, my son's five now and he will often punch me in the face yep. or do something like that. And as soon as he's seen it, yeah. it's hurt me. Yeah. He completely, you can see it straight through his body that it really, really worries him. Whereas my daughter would punch me in the face and just keep going. <laughs> so let me explain what that is too, because
1: I, I think this is really important. Having looked back at a lot of the research around um, traditional kinship communities and how they raise boys to be good men, is it's always been that boys will use more vigorous forms of play, including punching, shoving, jumping on, um, in order to develop the bond of connection. Because they're not as good at words. So when a little boy has those sorts of things and then he really wants to play with his sister so he goes up and gives her a really hard punch in the guts, <laughs> it's not appreciated, right? And this is our big challenge, I think, as parents to recognise, hang on, among many of our boys, this is actually completely accepted. It's called aggression nurturance. And our challenge is to be able to help them realise there are times that that's still not even okay for other boys. And you'll know by the look on their faces rather than necessarily what's going on out of their words. If we can start quite early teaching our boys hands up, no, don't, because there are some that that's not okay either, and teaching our girls to go, no, don't, I don't like that, early is going to help them work out where that line is. And the other side to boy banter, you know, boy teasing, oh, my gosh, have you heard them? They just, what they say to each other? Um, that's also a way of me trying to make you laugh and be connected to you. So it's actually quite an ancient archetypal system of human relationships with the same gender. And now you can see why sometimes mummies can struggle with that a little. And that that time they race out of class and kick you in the leg, it's trying to tell you how much they've missed you, <laughs> really missed you. But I haven't got the words to say, Mummy, I missed you and I'm glad you're here to collect me. I'll just kick you.
0: Fabulous. Yeah, I'll
1: just kick you. You know, and we, can, we work out that that's not intended to hurt. So we have to work out something to do instead of that. And we coach our son to say, Hey, babe, can you fly at me and I'll put my arms out like wings and you dive into me? Or should we do a quick high five, a different sequence? teach him another way of showing that he's missed you
0: Mm, apart from yeah she can get
1: very sore and a kick in the stomach yeah
0: no we don't need that um what about instructions how do we communicate instructions well to our boys like simple things like put your shoes and socks on i'm not sure i like this response
1: (laughs) okay so in a boy where they're quite pragmatic and also they're very single focus so um Unless they can see that what you are requesting, please don't. And once again, no one likes being told what to do. Um, And also, did they hear you? Because they may have been very busy in that moment. Like they could have been watching something, reading something, or or their hand is on that thing, playing. (laughs) So they're actually in a single zone. And sometimes even if you have a male partner, they can't hear you when they're on their phone. So we need to go up and rub their arm or their shoulder and just go, hey, babe, I need you to go get your shoes. Okay, so you're actually... You've got the request into the actual psyche, which is number one. So shouting, yelling across a room doesn't always work. Rub their back, tickle them, pat them on the head, punch them on the arm, gently say, hey, babe, I need you to go get your shoes. Um, And then there's still a really good chance they won't come back. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I have noticed And why thing. is partly that their memory's not as wired up as us girls, but also on the way they found something else that was far more exciting. So single focus has moved from a task that I didn't rate that highly in the first place. Wasn't that important? Yeah, Who no, needs shoes, you know? And also they're not good at time at that age. And so what happens is they see some Duplo or some Lego or a truck on the floor and then are going,
0: great.
1: Yeah. So... You're just
0: describing my morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my
1: few tips, my few tips for boys, once again, is that everything they need to put on in the morning is in one pile right near where they eat. Because I'll come to the eating point because I'm hungry. (laughs) right? So you eat and then you step into your clothes. You do not have to go find them because you're not good at that yet. Right, and then once they're dressed, good luck at getting them to remember to do their teeth. Now, this is another thing: so boys just go. Eh, I do it every now and then. It's not high on my list. Um, and there's this pragmatism, you know, in boys that goes: I could easily be having some fun before I go to school or daycare. Why don't I fill in that really as more fun? Because I got to go and I've got to go to the war. Right, so they're trying to fill in as much fun in that cup because it reduces the stress of going into an environment that I really might only like sometimes. And so, so often, boys' silliness, boys' crazy, risky behaviour, boys um, pitching other people's food, jumping on each other from a top bunk is all to do with how they're managing the stress of being a misunderstood little lad in a world often with a lot of women. Mm. Even though we love them. Even though we love them. Yeah, that's
0: true. Speaking of love... Do they receive messages of love differently?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, once again, uh, statistically significant, most boys are highly visual and kinesthetic, which means I want to see and I want to em- em- feel it, embody it. A <laughs> not of us words. It isn't one of those. So again, there's simple things about um, boys want to show you. show me how you love me. And I definitely, we've talked about this before, Siobhan, work out your son's love cup because not all boys want the same thing that makes them feel good. Some of them love cuddles and touches. Some don't. But some love it when you do loving things for them, you know, including, you know, giving them their favorite snack after school with a funny smiley face with the fruit. You know, who has time? But anyway, <laughs> good luck on that. Um, and also maybe on your way home from where you've collected them, if they're young, you might be saying, I've decided we'll go to the park. So what I'm doing is I'm giving you an experience that fills your cup with joy and I'm showing you I love you. And I can remember, this is really crazy, isn't it? But I picked my boys up one day after school in Albany, and it was like 42. Albany never gets that hot. It's always really quite cold. It was so hot. So I've put in the back, I collected all four boys. One was only two and a half, the rest were all up to sort of 10. Uh, Bodyboards were in the back, a great big hamper full of food, just all their towels. And I picked them up and said, hey, let's go to the beach. Now, no joke, we spent hours down there. I don't, I don't even know if we got home in time for tea. might have been toasted sandwiches that night. But I remember for years, I could hear them sometimes talking, saying, that was the best day of our life. Wow. So they felt loved because I have stepped into the world of what brings them greatest joy and delivered it sometimes. Yeah. And they do need to have things written down because we forget. So lots of little love messages on mirrors and windows and under their pillows they really matter. They really, really do. So keeping up and keep winking at them and touching them. And, and basically, I'm going to give you lots of micro messages of my love for you. But I, and it's, this is really powerful because all our kids drive us a bit crackers, don't they, sometimes? And we yeah yeah yelling and shouting. I've done it. Been there. Got that T-shirt. Um, but what we tend to find with boys is if mummy shouts, they almost feel you have stopped loving me because you couldn't do that if you still loved me. Whereas a girl gets it. Can you see? So there's incredible vulnerability underneath this sometimes feisty character that we think is just you know really strong and whatever. Um, and that's the that's the double-sided her. And I keep saying to all the parents of girls, your girls are stronger than you think. So we've got to stop kind of treating them like they're not as strong. Because they've got the emotional and psychological toughness that boys don't have. boys have the physical toughness, but not the other. So that's kind of why um, Mother Nature likes yin and yang.
0: Yeah. Because it all balances it out. (laughs) If you're lucky. If you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) What about, um, I'll I'll end with a, a reasonably challenging one, I think, for most people. Discipline. People understand that word in very different ways. My question is, how do we communicate firm boundaries with boys, especially when they're so good at challenging them, without shaming them? Beautiful. Okay.
1: So The very first thing is that your expectations and your family, what I call rules, um, need to be something that come up in conversation often. And if you can draw pictures of them on the side of the fridge, I really like to start off with one that I've got that's very simple. It says, try not to hurt yourself, try not to hurt anyone else, and try not to damage the world around you. I think if that is embedded deeply into the psyche of boys before they're five, we've got hope in our world. And that sometimes it's not just physical actions, it's words. So we pull them up on that, bring them over to the side, saying, mate, what are our three rules? So what you've done is made a choice that's caused pain to someone else, and that's not okay in our family. What were you trying to do? So how often were they, like the brother jumping on the brother from the top bunk, was trying to have a game and he was Tarzan, right? So the fact that he's hurt them has actually hurt him already. So he is already beating himself up for hurting someone he loves without the words. He is now like almost shaming himself. So when we come in as a parent and think I've got to really do something tough here, we quadruple what he's doing to himself. So again, it's that allowing it to be for a while, but you know, I'm not those steps that I have around making poor choices is once again, what was the problem with that? because his intention wasn't to hurt, but he has. So we need to know that is possibly too high to do a jump. Secondly, we're going to say, so what you did actually created a wrong, and now your job is to how to make that right. So I believe we can have conversations with boys as young as three, four, and five about making it right when we've accidentally made a choice that's been a wrong choice. And then underneath that, we'll say, so what would you do next time? And we have to help our boys with that. They're not naturally good at it. Us girls are great at working that stuff out. But we need them to problem solve what might be a better choice. If I want to tell him I want to play with him when I'm on the top bunk, maybe I do a coo Maybe I call out, hey, Tarzan, come here. Maybe I give him something else that means he can make that. And then eventually we just really need to forgive them and let that be okay because that is it that so often they make these poor choices because there's all sorts of wiring in them that's about that and that when we hit them, hurt them and shame them, we create really damaged men later who find it difficult to sometimes be open to the people they love the most and that's kind of you know, the whole focus of um, firm discipline that is fair, that is consistent, that is coming from a heart that is still open to the unique nature of being a boy compared to a girl.
0: Maggie have you developed that app yet that I can just yeah. <laughs> What would Maggie do? <laughs> That's what apparently,
1: I want. Now, apparently I need to be a bottle of fluid oh. uh, with possible alcohol in, and you just suck it back going, I've just <laughs> had some tonic. I've got it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that sounds more pleasant. Uh, that was, yeah, Technically, no, no alcohol needed. <laughs> You're right. And I think sometimes we just really need to recognize um, that every single one of us as parents is doing the best we can every day. Yeah. You know, and stop beating yourselves up, because I think we keep thinking... I'm doing something wrong here, whereas what's going on has been going on forever. And it's how we deal with that from that responsible, big person place that actually has deep and profound love for the
0: child we are raising. That's what I am. I'm a big person. Yeah. Maggie, You've got thank you so much for the time today. <laughs> That's Maggie Dent. She's a parenting educator and the marvellous Maggie is doing an event in Sydney just for babyology. She'll be joined by some of my favourite experts like psychologist Karen Young from Hay Sigmund and parenting educator Warren Cann from the Parenting Research Centre. It's called Raising Brave Kids and it's happening on Sunday, October 13. Check out the babyology website for details.